Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This is your host, Aman Kusro, and today we're going to be interviewing Mark Baralt, aka Baconborn, on his Skittershanks Clopack deck. But before we do that, I just want to give a, a huge shout out to our patrons. Thank you to everyone who supports us. If you're interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash pathoglory. If that's not possible, we still appreciate the listens and the ratings. How's it going, Mark? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Very happy to have you. I was very happy to see you do well with Skittershanks. I know that I like to think it was the time that we played each other in the Vasco <laughs> League. And I think that uh, that may have inspired you, but uh, who knows? Yeah, I've been trying out a lot of different stuff with them. Uh, back when we played in Vassal League, I think I was running that Treasure Hunters deck uh, still at the time. That was like the first iteration, uh, but now it's been more aggro-focused, so I'm excited to talk about it. Well, I love aggro on this podcast, but before we get started, I just wanted to kind of put a spotlight on you, get to know you as a person, as a community member. Are you okay with sharing your real name? Is that a thing? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Mark, Mark Bro. I live uh, up in New England in the USA, so uh, that nice. nice EST time zone. Uh, I've been playing the game for, I guess, since the beginning of Dire Chasm. My brother got me into it. I was up visiting him one weekend. He's like, hey, you want to try this out? Mm-hmm. Uh, we played, I guess it was at the time, a Rivals game of, I was using the Grim Watch and he was using Spokal Guard, and uh, I didn't know what I was doing. But uh, it was fun, and I just kind of got hooked on the game after that, really loved the deck building aspect, and then, uh, yeah, recently, I guess, probably towards the beginning of Harrow Deep, I started writing as well for the de- de- Determined Effort blog. Uh, I put... I think I'm getting close to 20 articles up now, and I just like to talk about whatever. Sometimes it's a review of the new warbands that are coming out. Sometimes it's a particular meta-analysis on a warband that I really like. I've posted several on Kanan's Reapers already to this point, and definitely one will be coming for Clawback at some point as well. Uh, but yeah, pretty much whatever's on my mind, I like to put down into words and, and put it out there for you all. So hopefully, hopefully you guys have been in, enjoying the content. Yeah, I, I will say I do. I do frequent the blog, and I do enjoy the articles you write. Um, specifically, the the Canons Reapers ones have caught my interest. I feel like they're a warband where I try to figure them out, and I try to have fun with them, and then I try to eventually make it meta, and then I'll have some early success, and then just get my butt kicked over and over and over again. Similar to Gits. Yeah, yeah. I think you have that issue of sometimes, like if you have a streak of bad dice, you'll just end up with three fighters alive in the second round for a few games in a row, and that's kind of disheartening um mm-hmm. so over time i just i guess started to adapt to learning with it uh it's like okay i'm gonna have a lot of fighters dead what do i do about that and ended up with the kind of pure carnage build that i settled on uh with for them but uh no i really love the warband they're still my favorite i think just aesthetically and the way they play everything is just great to me uh they're in a decent mm-hmm. spot right now as well i wouldn't say like top tier but they're they're up there they're very competitively viable i would say yeah, 100%. After my conversation with Benji, I I was really, like, my eye really opened up to them in my mind, if you will. And so I definitely, I don't think I'm the guy to pilot them, but when I see them across the table, I have a healthy respect yep. for them. Yeah, as you should. <laughs> oh. Exactly, exactly. So you got introduced to the game by playing with your brother. Is your brother still play the game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he still plays. Uh, right now, he's on Exile Dead, mostly. Uh, really nice. the zombie aspect of them. He started out, or I guess I should say started out playing competitively with Crimson Court. Uh, so he does tend to, I feel like, lean towards the Death War bands a little bit. 
Um, I was about to say, all I've heard is Death Warband. <laughs> yeah, yep. So uh, he's definitely excited for the Witch Hunters, as am I, coming out. I'm certainly going to be picking them up pretty much on release, because we were playing uh, the Cursed City uh, game, and I loved Yelson Yels Derek, for those who aren't familiar. Yelson Derek. The Witch yep. Hunter in that game, and he is awesome. Like, I love that model. He's fun. Uh, we took him on every mission that we did. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great miniature. Um, I like the elf girl as well, the yes. Karnasi. I think she's like a wild hunt-ish type. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's a fun game. I, um, as you know, and by the time this episode releases, I think everyone's going to know, is that you know I, you know I do the preview stuff. And so I put them together the other day, and I will say they look sick. I mean, the dogs look so much better in 3D oh, good, good. than they do on the picture. So pretty excited to talk about them and uh review the cards so um yeah looking forward to reading your review as well so you started playing when did you you like the deck building aspect when did you realize like hey this is my game because have you played games before that uh we did when we were younger we played 40k but this was like you know we're 12 14 years old kind of thing um so we didn't really know what we were doing we just kind of liked the models and like putting them all on the table and stuff uh, and then there was a big gap of, like, if I wanted to play competitive games, what I was really into was Super Smash Bros. When I was in college, I played that competitively for a while. Not well, but I played competitively for a while. Uh, <laughs> and then I picked up, actually, the Pokemon video game competitively for a while. Uh, so I, Like, like, like Sword and Shield? Uh, or, the, like, what are we talking uh, about? Online, so mostly on Pokemon Showdown, specifically, like, Draft League. So basically, you would draft a roster oh. of Pokemon and then each week you would build a different team depending on what your opponent had available to them and, and kind of counter oh, cool. what they would be able to do for the week. Uh, but yeah, Draft League was really fun and I think a similar idea uh, Tabletop Sydney actually tried out for Warhammer Underworlds I think needs more development because I think that could be really fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the background and then I didn't play anything Games Workshop for 10, 11 years until Underworlds um, just got me back into it. I love the small size. I don't have to measure anything. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, those are some of the Hallmark traits. So great. Um, I have to ask, though, you know, as a Smash enthusiast myself, though someone who's not on a competitive level at all, I'm like a diehard like Legend of Zelda dude. So like Link is my go to. Okay. And like early Smash, I heard he was like pretty solid. But then, like, I heard, like, all the new characters were just broken. But who's your go-to? Who do you yeah, play? Yeah, so I haven't played a lot of Ultimate, but I back when I was playing competitively, it was four. Uh, and I played Cloud, mostly. Uh, and then secondary, Captain Falcon for certain uh, certain matchups. Oh. So, Captain Falcon? Yeah. The, Falcon Punch, baby! Yeah, the combos into Knee and Smash 4 were really easy, and I just, it was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well... I just didn't like edge guarding, mm. so it kind of turned me off from like Smash competitive. Yeah, I think for me it was just I didn't have the dexterity. Like <laughs> I could think about what I wanted to do, but I couldn't like yeah. physically do it in time with some of these other people who have godlike reaction time and stuff and frame perfect yeah. inputs. So it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I ended up moving more towards the kind of more cerebral games. That's kind of transitioned into Pokemon, still sticking with video games. I didn't have to worry about inputs. It was just like me thinking. Mm -hmm. What's my opponent going to do? What do I do next? And I think that translated well to Underworld. It helped me pick it up pretty quickly, I think. And so with your, um, I guess, with your foray into tabletop gaming, have you tried any other games other than Underworlds? Or are you kind of just sticking to this monster? Uh, I'm mostly sticking to Underworlds, yeah. Uh, I've, 
I'm a huge board gamer as well. So like me and my friends will play Catan, King of Tokyo, whatever else, like love board games in general. But as far as like specifically the tabletop miniature type of games, this is, this is it for me right now. I'm more than satisfied with what I'm getting out of the game right now. Uh, and I right. don't really have time for additional uh, other hobbies with that one around. Cause I, I spend quite a bit of my time practicing deck building uh, maybe more than I should. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean that's cool. I love I love board gaming too. I played the very aggressive game of Catan the other day with my fiance and her friends. That's the only way to do it. So uh, <laughs> that's right. You mentioned King of Tokyo. I'll definitely have to write that one down. Never heard of that one, but I'll check it out. It's the best version of Yahtzee I've ever played. <laughs> right on. I'll definitely check it out then. Um, cool. So thanks for sharing a little bit about you, Mark, and your gaming history here. Yeah. Um, and so you started writing, you know, determined effort. I guess what made you wake up and one day say like, Hey, I'm gonna start a blog. Um, I think part of it was, so the first article I wrote was on Canaan's Reapers. It was like a very kind of in-depth dive on setting up boards and counterplay and all this stuff. Uh, and I think just at the time there was a lot of, uh, you know, Reapers aren't that good, which in Direcasm, I think they were actually better than they are now, especially given that some of the newer war bands that have come out have kind of outclassed them specifically exiled dead as like a counterpunch aggro type. Um, but at the time, yeah, I just felt like they were being a little bit disrespected and I didn't really understand why. Cause in my local scene, and this is the great thing about this game is local scenes can be kind of wildly varying in degree of success. Like Benji's kind of dominating in Australia with Kanan's Reapers. And then in my local scene, they were very popular as well and like doing very well. Like I had won a local tournament with them where there were two other players playing them in like a 10 player tournament or something. So there were three Reapers players there and they placed first, third and fourth uh, in that. And that's, nice. uh, I think one of their two losses for the day was in the mirror match in the final table. Um, but yeah, I just felt like in general, they had been kind of underexplored. People just kind of wrote them off. as like, Oh, they've got bad matchups. Therefore. Yeah. Uh, but I felt like there's things that you can do to subvert their bad matchups, at least to some extent, uh, maybe not Thundrix so much, but uh, <laughs> to some extent anyway. And I wanted to put down like everything that was in my head onto paper, just in case there was something there that was different than what people had thought of before. Uh, so that's my goal with pretty much every article I release is hopefully I gave you something a little bit different than what you thought about previously, even if a lot of it you've already seen a, a bit of or thought a bit of already. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great goal to have with any piece of, you know, content that you create is and is one of the main reasons why i love doing these like breakdown or deep dive interview slash i guess breakdown episodes is i just want people to like understand what my guest was thinking when playing that warband and maybe take away one or two pieces of nuggets or nuggets of information rather so that they can you know hopefully apply that to their own game or at least remember those nuggets when they're playing against that warband so um Cool. Well, I'm glad that you started playing the game. I'm glad that you started writing content, and I'm glad that we've got to play each other online, and, and we're doing this episode today. So let's talk about Skittershank's Claw Pack. So you played in the Vassal Brawl, um, and I believe it was like one of the earlier times, and so you stayed up all night and you played. Is that correct? Yeah, so I, I, there were two qualifiers so far, right? And I played in the first one. I lost at top table to Chad in that one, and I was like, man... I really want to qualify for this because I love the look of those skeletons that they've got painted up. That's the prize for the tournament. And I only had one more chance to qualify, and it was this that weekend, the most recent uh, qualifier, because I was, knew I was going to be on vacation for the other two dates. 
uh, and they just so happened to push it to the early time slot, which for me was 3.30 a.m. Uh, that I woke up, or 4 a.m. is when it started, but I woke up at 3.30. And I was like, I'm playing. Like, the wife was out of town, and <laughs> I was like, might as well get up and get my shot at qualifying. I felt like I was really close the first time, uh, so I just wanted to give it a run back, basically. I didn't change the deck at all. Uh, popped up at 3.30 a.m., surprisingly awake, and... Uh, <laughs> And was able to do quite well uh, and, and qualify in that in that uh, particular uh, event. So, yeah, it was a, it was a wild day. I definitely took a nap later in the day. I think we ended around as you as you deserve. We, <laughs> we ended around nine a.m. I think uh, my time, and then I didn't actually nap until like three o'clock uh, p.m. But yeah, surprisingly awake for the whole thing. It's kind of like that thing where they have you take the SATs really early in the morning because you're supposed to theoretically be very sharp. And I felt like yeah. that was kind of happening. I was on this weird kind of sleep-deprived high where I could just see everything I wanted to see and like map out my moves really effectively. And I don't think I made too many glaring mistakes uh, the day of like I suspected I might. <laughs> That's really funny. It's actually, you probably never hit REM sleep. So you, you probably just had a very light, it's like you took a tactical nap. You're it's up. Very possible. You're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. I definitely paid for it. The That's next awesome. Day, but I, I think it was. Oh, of course. Well, given the result. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I saw that they had picked the early time, I remember we had briefly chatted in like the public Vassal Discord where I was like, no, that's, you know, 2, 3 a.m. my time. And you were like, I'll be up. And I was like, I actually don't know if he'll make it, but I hope he does. <laughs> but I'm definitely, there's like just no point in doing that to myself. You yeah, know? yeah. Like I love Underworlds, obviously, but. I'm just not going to get up for the, do that. I woke up at like 10 that day, so I would have missed that. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, yeah. more respect to you for not only, I guess, going on low amounts of sleep and playing at odd hours, but obviously, spoiler, winning the <laughs> whole damn thing. So um, let's talk about your deck and let's talk about your Warband selection. So let's talk about why Skittish X Claw Pack. You said you played them in the last brawl. You wanted to qualify for like the big event towards the end of this brawl season, if you will. Why do you think you wanted to play them? Yeah, so recently I just kind of like finished off, quote unquote, Kanan's Reapers. I released my meta analysis article, listed my deck, said this is about as much as I think I can do with them right now. Time to move on to something else. And then conveniently, Nether Maze is coming out. The Claw Pack models are beautiful. Like probably my favorite models in Gorgeous. Underworlds, I would say. Like Snip in particular, mm -hmm. just the detail on him, the smoke bombs phenomenal uh, and i just love the aesthetic of skaven in general i played spike claws swarm for quite some time as well uh prior so yeah basically new toy syndrome to some extent like what can i do with these guys that'll make them work uh and then in terms of niche i'm not necessarily always looking to like play the absolute top tier thing but i do want something that i don't feel like i've got hands tied behind my uh my back uh, and I felt like they hit a nice kind of counter meta in this current state. So a lot of people are running like whole objective dark inversion type stuff with supremacy and all that kind of greedy things. Uh, or they're still maybe playing like Soul Raid with some version of invading aggro or what have you. Uh, and I felt like you've got some of the best ploy caddies in the game. They're all move five. Uh, and you have opportunities to like negate target selection with things uh, like Skittering Blur, specifically Way of the Iron Paw. Uh, so you can just send those guys into the fray. It doesn't really matter if somebody dark inversions something to the back of their board. You're going to be able to reach them anyway. And then you can just tackle ploy onto them, confusion, hypnotic buzz, whatever you want. 
and just knock them right off that token. And now, oh, you don't get your lost in shadow. You don't get your supremacy. I bricked your entire end phase because I'm just in front of you. So I, I don't usually blow people out with this warband unless it's like a big boy Voltron deck and I happen to like beat down the leader quickly, which actually does happen quite frequently with these guys. Uh, so it makes it like a really interesting mini game of I'm chasing your leader the whole time, but also like I'm just full beat down. I'm going in and I'm stopping you from doing whatever you want to do. I'll fight you wherever you want to fight, my board, your board, whatever it is. So that flexibility, I think, uh, makes it a really attractive option because I feel like you don't run into a matchup where you say, well, I just can't do this. Uh, and I think that's a great thing in a tournament setting is like knowing that you can win every game. <laughs> no, that's that's certainly that's certainly the goal, right? Is to picking a warband and, and building a deck where you have a chance in every game, which is awesome. And so you feel like, you know, obviously I completely agree with you. The meta is, is very hold objectivity. It's kind of greedy. And, you know, I still think like soul raid and aggressive crimson court and rippers can still do some, a lot of damage out there. But I think most people, you know, cause we talk about this competitive game, right? And we've had this sentiment on this podcast before, but it's this idea that like competitive players will always tend to lean hold objective slash control, because you can control it, yep. right? Like dice can be aggro-y, can be, dice can be dicey, right? But if more often than not, and statistically I can create an environment where I'm on a cover hex, you know, I have added defensive bonus and the game state doesn't have to change for me to score, I'll score, yep. right? And so I like that you decided to take something that would, I suppose, counterpunch that, if you will, and, um, you know, flip that on its head. And I think the speed five with Skaven is such an underrated statistic. You know, we talk about, um, you know, speed four is like, man, this warband's speed three, this warband's, you know, I wish they were four, but like Skaven are five. That's inspired like wolf riders, you know, that's, <laughs> that's crazy to think about. And while they can be squishy and, and I'm definitely going to follow up with that conversation a second, like that speed is just so essential to where like you can even as you, as you, I'm sure you're very well aware, you can kind of set up in the midboard and still get wherever you want to go. Yep, exactly. Right. So how, how useful was that speed in your event? Uh, considerably. Uh, one of the least favorite cards I want to see across the table is like Eternal Chase right now. Because uh, it's a bigger difference than you think. Like one hex movement is a way bigger difference than you think. So it allows you to set up like, say, minions forward, for example, Skulk crouched up front because you don't care if they die you get unsurprising fate whatever um so you can set them up forward and they can reach pretty much everybody especially skulk uh but the real luxury is you get to keep like slink and snip back mostly out of charge range for like range one fighters like three three four move range one fighters uh and then you can just charge in later you've got push tech to get them forward if they need to go really far uh but you can kind of torpedo in after you've had a chance to build them up and scored whatever kind of little bits of surge glory you can things like contest of equals and uh, reckless swing things like that with the minions early and then get those guys beefed up ready to roll uh later in the first round so that aspect is really nice just from a preservation perspective uh, and then on your opponent's board like we've t talked about already the whole objective landscape is such that a lot of times people are just gonna be like ah, i'm gonna take three objectives i'm gonna set up my little triangle maybe i'll darken version a fourth to me pretty much wherever they are you're gonna be able to reach them uh, unless they like really heavily offset you with some block texts, uh, I feel like you can get wherever you need to get to. And like I said, you can caddy ploys with them pretty easily just to disrupt your opponent's end phase scoring. Uh, because a lot of people are really 
as even like Shadeborn, which isn't technically a hold objective warband, uh, they're really banking on being on those cover tokens at the end. Like if you can stop them from being on two or more, you bricked three of their end phase cards usually, uh, maybe more. If you say like Shadows Deep and Cryptic Clues and uh, Coiling Darkness. Uh, so having all that stuff on lock and like knowing the popularity of Shadeborn going in, like if you've looked at the Vassal League, they've got a 17% play rate or something outrageous, like easily the most of any warband. Uh, I was expecting to see a lot of them. I was expecting to see a lot of Gits, uh, some Soul Raid as well. Uh, but yeah, that's movement-wise kind of where I got to with them as well. No, I appreciate that insight, and that makes a lot of sense and, and gives, you know, some... Um, I guess inside rather into how you were piloting them. Let's talk about the squishiness of the warband, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of dodging fighters. You've got a couple of fighters that have three wounds and two wounds. How do you overcome that? Because there's definitely some games where I've played the warband and played against them where like everything is just dead. Yes. Like kit, you know, both my minions are dead round one and great unsurprising fate whenever I draw it. But then like, if I feel, I feel like if I lose snip or, um, uh, what's Slink. his name? Slink. Um. Yeah, no creep. Oh, creep. I feel like if I lose snip or creep um, early, it kind of really shoehorns me a little bit. What is your reasoning and experience with that? Yeah, so I actually looking through my deck earlier. I'm actually not running way of the iron paw right now, uh, which may seem a little odd given the fragility of the warband. Uh, I've just found that because I typically place my minions up front on my board. If I play that card and either of the minions are alive, they just go for the minions on that turn, which may save my assassin for one turn, but usually they ultimately get them anyway. Uh, and it's a dead card against Exile Dead because they're just going to whack you three times and, okay, you're dead anyway. Uh, but yeah, the fragility is definitely something concerning. Uh, so like I mentioned, I'll usually set up my minions forward. Creep has insane threat range, so he's always at the back of my board at the start of the game and nobody's really reaching that except opposing claw pack for the most part uh, at the beginning of the game. So him back snip and slink kind of in the mid back line uh, and then the minions forward. Basically if you start with say a skulk charge and then maybe a creep charge, kind of zone out your opponent a little bit for a while. Don't give them any like obvious targets to come after. You've basically burned half of the first round doing kind of nothing uh but maybe you're scoring some surges you're getting some positioning set up for later uh, and then you can come in with the big guns with snip and with slink uh at the point where okay well now maybe i've got skittering blur in my hand that'll cover my charge for the next activation like if my opponent went first and i've taken two already i can charge in on my third with snip or slink play the skittering blur they can't target them anymore uh, and then I can come in with the other one on the next turn. I can set up kind of positioning for the next round that way. Uh, so it's more of like controlling yourself in terms of like, ooh, I've got a really easy kill. I could go charge in three swords, two damage. Maybe I've got a support or whatever. Uh, but just kind of thinking, well, if I do that, now I'm going to get counterpunched, which does make for some bad matchups against things like Decunning Crew and Reapers specifically, just because their accuracy is so good. Um, but I think overall, you've just got to get them before they get you, which can lead to some diciness with the warband. I mean, we're still playing aggro, right? Um, but I found largely you're able to combat it if you're kind of smart about where and when you make your charges. That makes a lot of sense. So when are you committing slick? Like, what is your ideal board state? You know, is it like, hopefully you get second 
turn on the first round and so final activation of the round you just charge slink and hopefully win the roll off what's your idea usually he's third or fourth charge unless there's a really obvious opportunity to kill a leader uh so that's the mini game you're playing every time you face a claw pack player right they want to get the leader so if you've placed like kixi taka up front there's definitely a chance i'm coming at him early with slink because it's basically a 50 50 roll on whether i just crit and kill you uh, with the reroll from Mark for Death. So sometimes there's opportunities where you'll want to commit him early. Otherwise, yeah, third, fourth charge in the round is Slink, uh, depending on like whether I have ever downwards in my hand, for example. Uh, sometimes you can easily just set that up on three tokens and it's not a problem. Uh, but other times it's just easier to say, okay, I'm going to make this charge with Slink anyway. I might as well put him on that token, go forever downwards. Maybe I've got Skittering Blur to cover him on the backside or Supernatural Agility and Silent Helm, something like that. Uh, to make it less of a risky charge. But yeah, usually if you're charging it with a slink, like first activation, you're going to lose him pretty quick. And if you lose both slink and snip, I'd say in the second round, you're probably going to lose just because you don't have enough firepower left when they're both gone. Even with like weapon upgrades and stuff, I found you just don't really have enough in the tank unless you've killed a significant uh, portion of your opponent's warband in return. Right. Right. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess if you had a, like, did you have a fighter that kind of did a lot of the heavy lifting for you throughout the event? Was it slink? Was it not? I'd love to get your thoughts on it that. It was predominantly slink, but the nice thing about the way I built the deck is like, and I guess the fighters in general is snip is basically slink. Uh, as, anyway, like he's three swords, two damage, three swords, two damage. He inspires to the grievous and he actually gets cleave as well, which can be nice in some matchups. Uh, but like if Slink just happens to die really early, you can give all the same upgrades you were going to give to him to Snip without much issue. Uh, and because I run weapons as well with Prehensile Tail, uh, I can also like back up plan into Creep or something if I really have to. But then you've probably really got me on the back foot. You've already got the other two out. Um, but yeah, that's generally Slink is doing the heavy lifting. He gets most or all of the upgrades uh and just kind of bashes his way through uh hopefully i can get like enough push cards out to activate him multiple times in a round and kill multiple things like i think i had a sequence in one game where started the round slink was adjacent to somebody killed them pushed for my second activation pushed adjacent to somebody else killed them and then made a charge afterwards to kill somebody else so like He's That's very awesome. capable of doing that, especially when like the lead yeah. is dead, for example. He's on four swords at that point. You start stacking like re-rolls or Savage Soldier or whatever other accuracy upgrades, and he kind of goes hog wild sometimes. Like the, the the Grievous doesn't feel random anymore once once you get to a certain point of rolling dice and rolling re-rolls. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. I feel bad for your opponent, but that's just <laughs> that's a sick story to tell. So so let's jump into the deck. Um and so you shared it with me, and it'll be in the show notes. So if you're interested in learning or following along, you can definitely check it out. Um, so let's start with your surges, right? So Branching Fate, Contest of Equals, Ever Downwards, In Cold Blood, Reckless Swing, and Sudden Revelation. Sudden Revelation is pretty much like auto-include in every deck, right? So we're not going to talk about that one too much. In Cold Blood makes a lot of sense as well. Getting a kill with an assassin, that's your game plan. Ever Downwards is interesting because I think what you alluded to earlier was the fact that most of the time you're scoring this with slink in enemy territory flipping something yes, correct yeah uh, so since you're usually playing kind of beat downy anyway it behooves you to have a cover token that's like in range for him at the start of the game 
preferably where you think your opponent's going to have somebody set up on a starting hex that they may not have activated yet. Uh, because that way you can just say, okay, I'm going to make this charge anyway, and now I'm at least on the token. I get my surge for free, uh, right, with ever downwards. Uh, but you do have, like, closing for the kill, for example, which can hop you onto two tokens really quickly early in the game. So it's very feasible that you can do this uh, just by flipping three tokens anyway. I would say it's probably the least consistent of the surge set that I've got, uh, but I still score it, you know, fairly regularly. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Right on. Um, Branching Fate, I love. I mean, you've got Slank, Snip, uh, starting at three, and then I believe uh, Skulk inspires to three Fury. With yeah, he does inspire to three. Plus, I've got the weapons, so a little bit of a spoiler yep, on the weapons, weapons yeah. like Sword, Spear, both have three hammers already. Uh, and you've got Marked for Death on the two uh, assassins to start the game as well. So, like, three swords with a reroll is decent odds to hit Branching Fate uh, if you're targeting yep. the leader. Uh, and then you can also score it defensively with Supernatural Agility, which has happened more than once, uh, for sure, uh, once you get to that three-dodge threshold. Yeah, it's one of my favorite ways to score the card is during your opponent's turn. It's, it's very nice. Um, Contest of Equals, again, solid card. Um, I like it. So, And then Reckless Swing, you know, it's, I use this in my Adepticon deck, and it's just such a... It's so easy. It's just positioning, right? And so... Um, did you ever feel like you had to like set this up, or was it always just kind of there? Uh, there's the only times you really don't score it is like if you draw it round three, for example. If opponent's got one fighter or two fighters, whatever, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. If you get it round one, it's pretty automatic. Like you just send in Crouched to do some nothing attack, and he's gonna score your reckless swing. He's gonna die. He's gonna get you on surprising fate. He might score contest of equals on the reckless swing. Like there's a whole bunch that he can just score you and die. Uh, that it's just it's pretty free. Uh, and then it, like later on, if you're in the game and you're playing like. Uh, mighty swing down which again spoilers uh it can kind of cover for the reckless swing a little bit because like you're not just going in and gonna leave yourself super open to support you're probably gonna be able to hit one or two of those attacks on the mighty swing anyway maybe get some drive backs and make it a little bit less risky mm -hmm. yeah because you score the card when you make the attack not after you resolve the yes. attack so that's why mighty swing works so well with it yeah right on Okay, so that's your six glory in your surges. Um, we've got ten glory in your end phase, and so dominant position. Um, I feel like that makes a lot of sense because you're trying to go for sudden revelation, anyways. Did you find this card hard to score when you're sometimes being the beatdown? Yeah, so against certain HO warbands that have like especially in faction pushes, uh, like enemy pushes, so like think more in flight and stuff like that, uh, it can definitely be problematic. It's not really there for them because my goal with the deck anyway is to like disrupt that type of end phase scoring. It's like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to score a dominant position, but maybe neither are you uh, with all the kind of ploys that I've got packed in. Uh, and I think just kind of by the natural way of me having all these token disruption things or like pushes or confusion, things like that, uh, it just kind of naturally lends itself to scoring dominant position myself in a lot of matchups. Like I'm taking the token from you, so I'll just end up on more is what ends up happening and not all matchups like gets for example it's very difficult to score against as well uh but it's also kind of automatic and really good matchups or really bad matchups excuse me like uh exile dead i consider not a very good matchup for these guys uh, and shadeborn i consider not a very good matchup for these guys so dominant position is some good two glory to have in the back that you're probably going to be able to score in those because shadeborn's looking to stay in cover and zombies can't hold besides markov and dantelos so uh, that's kind of the reasoning for having it in the deck, but definitely I wouldn't expect to score that regularly uh, against especially those heavy HO warbands. 
Yeah, HO standing for hold objective for those who are listening. So um, I want to take a quick pause here because I you've mentioned Shadeborn and Exile Dead a lot. And so we talked about the popularity of Shadeborn online. But I feel like the popularity of the Exile Dead has waned yes. as of late. And so is this like something that you have been traumatized by your local <laughs> meta? Or was it just some early experiences that just kind of rubbed you the wrong way? How did how does that work? Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. So like my brother does play Exile Dead, like I mentioned. So I played him quite a bit. Uh, and early on, uh, I was kind of getting slammed because I had things like Way of the Iron Paw, which I already mentioned is a dead card versus them because it's just going to hit you multiple times anyway. I didn't have great ways to access the leader uh, at the time, so like that made things really difficult as well, like the body wall. Uh, so I just wanted to be like prepared for that matchup, if that makes sense. Like They're enough of a meta warper that I can't walk in with just no plan uh, against Exile Dead, even though their popularity did drop uh, I guess for whatever reason, maybe people think they figured them out. I don't know. I've seen like Compact, for example, playing Exile Dead, still kind of smashing people. So I, I can't imagine they're uh, really any less powerful. They just, for whatever reason, have become less popular. Maybe maybe it has to do with like the NPE experience that people get playing against them. Maybe people don't want to be on like the receiving end of all that hate uh, playing them, and they find it disinteresting for that uh, for that reason. Uh, but I'm happy to see that their their counts down a little bit. I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, definitely something that you need to be prepared for with every deck. If you walk in with five reactions in your deck that you're not going to be able to use, or you walk in with no way to get to Daintilus, you're going to have, have a bad time. So you need to be prepared, even if you don't know if you're going to face them. Well said. I, I definitely agree with the fact that I think there's still a very strong warband. You're probably right in that there's a bit of a hate that surrounds them. Um, almost like a stigma, like when you played Molog back in the day. I guess you joined in Direchasm, but in like the Night Vault, even in actually yeah, the beginning Dyrchasm, of Direchasm, there was a, a lot of... Yeah, he was a boogeyman, and so there was just a lot of conjecture and hate surrounding people who like to play them. Like, I still give Shuby shit all the time <laughs> for like liking big boys, you know? And um, we one time played each other in like a Vasilik playoff, and he clicked Molog, and I was like, dude, I hate you. You know, like, <laughs> it's just, you just not fun. And so, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that's part of it. Um, it's interesting, though, because, like, you know, Compact's a great player overall. He could probably do well with any Warband, but the idea is, is still the fact that, you know, if a good player can pick up, you know, the Exile Dead, they do really well. Um, did you have a game plan against Gits? I feel like they've been really rising in popularity. I did, place. actually. So, the first... Vassal Brawl qualifier. I played against Diablerus too. For those of you who may mm -hmm. not know, is like king of the gits on the Vassal Discord right now. He does mm -hmm. very, very yes. well with them uh, in every online event. Uh, so I played against him in the first Vassal Brawl in the second round. Uh, and there were a few like key things in that matchup, I'll say. One is to get the hell away from Snurk, because like, he's going to mess you up. So the first game, he charged in, got Snurk like, amidst all my fighters, and I just started running them away from him. And left him behind. And I don't think he activated. He might have activated Snurk like one more time the rest of the game, and he didn't do anything. So like once he's out of the picture, that's like the thing that combats your good defensive characteristics because he can just push into you and damage you and kill you anyway. Uh, and then the other thing is like Zarbag's easy to kill, right? He's only three wounds. If they're playing Instinctive Shield. That kind of sucks. Uh, but he wasn't, I don't think. Uh, but he's only three wounds. You can expose him with misplaced optimism. Again, that kind of any three wound leader needs to be on notice against Clawpack because Slink can just run up and stab him and kill him. Uh, so there was a few things there, and then like I said, supremacy deny that at all costs. Like that's very popular on Gits right now. For those who aren't familiar, 
uh, just holding three objectives and, and going nuts that way. So if you have like the choice between a charge, like, oh yeah, this is an easy kill, or knocking the guy off the third token, you got to knock the guy off the third token. Uh, so I don't believe he scored supremacy in either of our games. Uh, and I did have a one particularly fun interaction I can recall where uh, he had long boarded me for game two. I think he used like Amber Trap Nest or something. So there were a couple of lethals around. Uh, he starts the game with Zarbag within two hexes of a lethal and I had misplaced optimism in my hand. Uh, but instead of using it immediately, I waited and he moved him onto a feature token to hold, presumably it was late in the round. And then I pushed him off and dunked him in the lethal anyway. Uh, so it was like, the combo of getting the damage off for free and then also disrupting his end phase scoring was huge. Um, so that's kind of part mm -hmm. of the reason why I've chucked in so much anti-HO tech into this deck. And then also, of course, Mighty Swing for the Horde War bands. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, Supremacy is, is really popular because of the popularity of Dark Inversion and Swarming Darkness. Um, and, and so if you're playing Death War bands, especially, I think like Sepulchral Guard are kind of making the rounds as well. Death has a card called Forbidden Ground. It's a duel. So for those of you unfamiliar, you're nodding your head, so it looks like you're fairly, pretty familiar with it. But you know, if your warband is holding three objectives and happens to hold every objective in your territory and in no one's territory, you get three glory. So if the middle objective, you know, in no one's territory is already flipped or are, there are no objectives there and you hold three, you get like double supremacy. I've had that happen to where I got six glory scored on me, plus, you know, great gains. And I was like, well, there goes the game, <laughs> yep. you know. Yeah, I ran into that recently when I was testing with uh, a different warband, which we shall not speak the name of. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, is that is that because you're practicing? Are you going to? Nova? I'm not going to Nova, unfortunately. I've got a wedding oh, to okay. attend, uh, but hopefully next right time. Uh, but no, I, we'll, we're not talking about that because it was a very failed experiment uh, with a particular sure. low tier warband. <laughs> was it Far Striders? Nah, it was. Uh, it was Black Powder. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was okay. Yeah, we don't. That talk was about a rough. That was a rough two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay, so we've talked about dominant position. Great gains. I love it. Path to victory. Again, it kind of makes sense. Kind of same line of reasoning for dominant position. Um, oh, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong deck. I went back to my bad. One second. Um, but great gains is there. So we're good. No, no path, uh, to victory, path to victory. Yeah. yeah, I was looking at a different deck. Martial Adept. So hybrid score this the end phase. If one or more friendly fighters each have two or more attack actions or someone has three upgrades for glory. I feel like that's pretty pretty legit. Slink is usually tooled up, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's either Slink or Snip. Right? going to have a ton of uh, upgrades on them, and the stupid loaded with plunder uh, FAQ right now, anyway, is uh, fixing that for you. So even if they die, you still score it, uh, which is kind of silly. Mm. But you've also got three attack actions in the deck, so it's very possible to score it on the hybrid condition as well. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I like Unsurprising Fate. You mentioned this one quite a bit. You know, one of your minions are dead. Um, it's kind of an inevitable card. You'll score it eventually. Have you ever had a game where someone just ignored no. your minions? <laughs> no? They're too juicy, I think. It's the only one dodge fighters, two wounds. Like, they want the kill, usually. Yeah. And Collateral Damage. It's a duel. Score this in the end phase if one or more enemy leaders are out of action. And there are four or more fighters out of action. So this is like a mini... Um, pure carnage right in a way yeah i almost don't even consider it a duel because the obstacle here is that the leader is dead like four people are gonna die uh not in the first round necessarily but in the second and third round four people are probably dead when you're playing these guys whether it's your own or whether it's a combo of the two uh, there's four guys dead it's really just you need to get to the leader and you score three glory which is a great great payoff <laughs> 
Yeah, four with the yeah. kill. Have you have you have you had a hard time scoring this card? Or yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for those people who have played Claw Pack or at least are kind of familiar with what they're trying to do, they'll be very coy with their leaders. Maybe they'll put some defensive tech on them that they would normally save for another fighter. Like for example, I played against Purifiers, where clearly the deck was intended to Voltron Bahanar. Uh, but they just kind of stuck those upgrades on Miari instead, the minus one damage, Silent Helm, that kind of stuff, uh, to kind of deny me the chance of getting to the leader. They'll set him up in the back on an offset, whatever it is. Uh, I would still say I score it in a large percentage of my games, but I would say also that my win rate drops significantly when I don't score it. Not just because I don't have the glory boost, but it means I haven't executed my game plan, essentially, which is mostly to get the leader. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. And then lastly, we have a hybrid gift of the gods. This is a grand Alliance chaos card. So score this hand phase. If three or more fighters have one upgrade or one or your warband holds two or more objectives. So I'm assuming that you're probably scoring it on the first. Yeah. It's been a combo of, of both. I'd say it's about 50, 50. Uh, I'd say it's also probably my really? least scored end phase card. That one's been a kind of revolving door at that slot. I've tried out a lot of different cards there, and I still haven't quite found one I liked. I think the main weakness of the Warband in terms of deck building uh, is they have trouble finding good end phase options, especially two glory end phase options. Uh, so mm -hmm. I ended up opting for a lot of one glory ones, and then some of them still like I don't love. So more end phase options for them hopefully coming in new releases that I can slot in, but that one's definitely... Uh, on the bottom of the totem pole. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we always have to have, you know, that 12th card. And so sometimes it's, it's not ideal, but it makes sense. And if you score it, great. If you don't, you weren't planning on it anyway. So overall, I like it. Um, we've got, you know, two duels, three hybrids, 12 objectives, 16 glory. Very nice. Uh, and you know, one of actually two of your objectives have require kills. Yes. Yep. So you're looking at 18 really. So let's jump to the gambits. We've got Heated Instinct, Center of Attention, Confusion, Mirror Move, Cover of Darkness, Closing for the Kill, Misplays Optimism. So that's like seven cards, all pushes. Yep. <laughs> or some sort of, you know, uh, disruption. Uh, how essential is that? I mean, you, it sounds like it is, but, you know, you yeah, tell so me. Yeah, so I played for a while with only six. I know, only six. Uh for a while and i hit a wall when i ran into a very heavy guard miari's purifiers deck because i just couldn't get them off tokens and i couldn't hit them because they were just sitting in tokens on guard in gloom uh so that's why confusion ended up coming in originally that was way of the iron paw so that's like the 11th card if you will um but yeah, I think you kind of need all of them. I've tried pulling one out at different times, and I just find, like, maybe I didn't miss it that one time, but then the next game I play, I'm like, wow, I had Confusion in this deck two iterations ago, and it would have been great here, kind of thing. So like, there's plenty of times where I've regretted pulling any of them out. Uh, and I think the positioning is really important in general to cover your charges. So you might make a risky charge going in to get a leader or to score a reckless swing or make a mighty swing attack. Uh, you might do any of that and then be in a really bad spot because you just happen to have some bad dice and you missed or whatever. So you've got some options to get yourself out of there as well. Cover of darkness, heated instinct, sometimes mirror move or center of attention, depending on the situation. 
Uh, and again, some of that is anti-exile dead tech, like center of attention specifically, is I found is really good to get them out of your face uh, after a move action. Uh, and obviously having the self-pushes is nice as well. They surround you, you push out and things like that. But um, yeah, I think in this current meta, you kind of just need that stuff. I don't, and like, like I said, this is an aggro warband. Like there's a tiny hold objective component uh, to this deck. Uh, but I think just the positioning has become so important uh, in terms of even just like, I want to be on the token because you want to be on it, uh, that I think you need to take all that stuff. Yeah, I'm actually re-looking at this, and Swarming Darkness can be considered eight. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, 80% of your ploys are just disruption, so I like that. With the only two that are not necessarily disruption are Mighty Swing and Skittering Blur, which I suppose is disruption for the, like, you know, when as a defensive yes. attack. Yeah. So, I like that. I mean, I think Skittering Blur is one of the coolest cards ever, and it really helps with the survivability of the Warband. Yes. Yep. Um, and then we've already spoken at length at the the greatness that is Mighty Swing. So we won't have to dwell on that. Um, going to your upgrades, we're going to start out with your other two restricted, with Contest of Equals being your first restricted here. So Savage Soldier, Silent Helm, and then we'll talk about Silent Ring as well and Silent Sword. You've got the Silent Package. Tell me about your thought process with picking those cards um, and why spend the restricted slots on those. Yeah, so I'll start with Helm just because that's been in from the beginning. I think pretty much every two-dodge warband, and in this case you can get to three-dodge with Supernatural Agility, uh, should be at least thinking about this card. Cleaving and Snare are fairly popular right now, uh, and people can roll just a lot of dice in general. Ferocious Bite, Brigade Strength, whatever. They've got four or five dice coming at you. Negating a crit is sometimes the best way <laughs> to mitigate your fragility. Uh, so your opponent might charge in, they might roll a crit in three hits, but the Silent Helm takes that crit away, and all of a sudden, all you gotta do is roll a crit on two or three dice or whatever it is, which makes your odds a lot better uh, when somebody's throwing that many dice at you or that much accuracy at you. Um, so I think Silent Helm was kind of essential from that respect, and again, it, it hasn't come out of the deck since I built it. Um, on kind of the flip side, Savage Soldier came in later. Uh, originally, I think I had my extra restricted slot going towards Duel of Wits, and then for after a while I was like, there are so many good ploys, I don't need Duel of Wits anymore. I've got Silent Ring for draw, like you mentioned. Uh, so I got rid of Duel of Wits. I tried out Underdog for a little bit, but found sometimes I was having the primacy at the end of the round, because I was killing the leader, for example. Uh, so I was like, eh, let's just get the primacy out of here. Got rid of Underdog. And I was like, what have I been having trouble doing? Or like, what is the key to me winning games? And I found more often than not, like I hinted at earlier, scoring collateral damage, killing the leader uh, was the big thing. So you run into somebody like Slithael, she's got nether defense on, she's got whatever. You at least pop on some accuracy plus dice, plus ensnare. Uh, and all of a sudden she's a little bit more accessible. So whoever your leader is, I'm confident I have the ability to kill them uh, throughout the course of the game. So that's where Savage Soldier came in. And again, it kind of pairs nicely with the fact that either Slink or Snip usually gets beefed up pretty heavily. Right. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Silent Sword, probably best-in-class weapon for swords right now, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, Glory Seeker, great strength. Again, we get it, you know. You're low damage. You need high damage. So, Prince Altail. This is probably one of my favorite cards for the Warband, and, and I see the big smile on your face as the moment I bring it up. Tell me about why this card is so awesome. 
Yeah, so uh, if you read my Cloth Hack review, I was a little down on this card to start. I think I gave it like a B or something. Because uh, I was sitting there like, do I want to take a lot of attack action upgrades? I don't know that I want to try to like make the minions work. Because that was my thought at the time was like, oh, well, I would only take attack actions for the minions anyway. The other two guys have pretty good profiles normally. Uh, but what I found is the difference between hammers and swords is appreciable. Uh, so like mm-hmm. I had driven by Envy in the deck for a little bit, for example, plus one dice against the leader with Cleave. And I was like, wait a minute, Shadow Spear is basically a better accuracy upgrade. Like I get three hammers and Cleave against anybody, assuming I'm in a cover hex, right? It gives me the same threat range and like three hammers as opposed to relying on four swords is about the same accuracy level. So I was like, I put that in, I already had Silent Sword in and I said, well, now I've got the weapon upgrades. Let's put in Prehensile Tail as well and see how it goes. And oh my god. <laughs> Rerolling two dice on an attack, especially with Grievous, is insane. So you've got like Slink beefed up, for example. Maybe you've given him Shadow Spear at some point to increase his range, or even Silent Sword just to increase his short-term accuracy. Uh, and then you drop Prehensile Tail on him later. Maybe he's got Savage Soldier. There's been plenty of times I have rolled six dice, Cleaven and Snare, with two rerolls, three of targeting a leader, four of he staggered uh, with Slink, and just been like, I'm going to crit you. Like <laughs> It's basically guaranteed at that point. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so, awesome. And you need the damage sometimes as well. Like you mentioned, I've only got the two plus damage cards in there. So if you're able to get the Grievous to proc more reliably, that's also effectively plus accuracy and plus damage on that one card. Yep, right on. Great card. You spoke about Shadow Spear. Briefly, when we were setting up for the episode in the pre-show, you know, we talked about this, and and I feel like a lot of people kind of slept on this card early on, and um, I think I only really saw it in Shadeborn decks because at that time, you know, the the Shadeborn were living in cover hexes, but I've seen this rise in popularity. I saw um, this used by Benny, in his banshees and now you know you have won a brawl yourself as did he with this card here how awesome is this card for you in general yeah so i think i was one of those people that underestimated it to start with as well uh that one i gave a c plus in my original review because i was like yeah you gotta be in a cover hex to even (laughs) use it Mm." but i think i underestimated how easy it is to space out the cover hexes such that like you're probably going to be able to get a good target. Your opponent's probably going to sh- set up their little V if they're holding objectives, right? So that's like decent coverage already with your little threat bubbles. And then you just need to fill in the gaps with your tokens, especially your Gloom token, which you have the most flexibility with, right? Uh, so if you can space it out such that where you think the fight is taking place is well covered by that two hex threat bubble around all of the... Uh, the tokens, then it's just a matter of getting onto it. So Swarming Darkness, in addition to being a disruption tool, is a way to access Shadow Spear for myself. Like my opponent's standing on the token that I want to be attacking from, I just yank it out from under them, charge onto it, uh, and then stab them with the spear. Um, But yeah, it's been surprisingly good, uh, especially again with Prehensile Tail packed in as well. Uh, I think I mentioned it in my recent uh, attack action upgrades article as well. I, I had it as my number two overall attack action upgrade in the current meta, just because the accuracy is that good. Three hammers cleave, uh, and you can just like poke more techs, they die. Uh, and even things that are defending on dodge, like three hammers is still an incredibly accurate attack. So uh, I tend to lean for accuracy over damage. I don't find there are a lot of games where I leave going, man, if only I had one more damage. Uh, but there's a lot of games where I leave saying, man, if only I'd hit that one attack. Uh, and Shadow Spear can help you out tremendously with that. Right on. 
Okay, so Supernatural Agility plus one defense makes sense. And Face Gouger Fangs. Again, I think this was another underrated by the general community. Even I think I underrated this card. Um, I'm not sure what I gave it in terms of rating because I'm actually trying to look it up right now. But while I'm looking that up, do you want to tell me why you went for this card and, and why you think it's so great? Yeah, so I've messed around a few times with using two versus three attack action upgrades to make Prehensile Tail more reliable. Uh, and I think it does work with two. Uh, but the real angle here came with the flying aspect, uh, because, again, like the goal of the deck is to get to the leader wherever they are. So if that's Daintalos, you got to get over the body wall. Or if it's Gits, you got to get over the body wall. Uh, and flying is going to help you tremendously to do that. And to boot, it's not just the flying. You get a decent attack profile, and then it opens up Prehensile Tail for you in addition to that. Uh, so I think it just makes sense as the last upgrade. The kind of pseudo-11th upgrade is Feral Symbiote if you need more damage. Uh, but again, I think unlocking the accuracy and the ability to get to the leader just pushed it a little bit above for me. Uh, and that's why it ended up making its way into the 10. Right on. Yeah, I gave it a D. <laughs> I think I gave it about a D plus or something, so we're, yeah. you're not alone. <laughs> I said gaining the fighting trade is neat. Again, I don't think you need it given how everyone is super fast. <laughs> Cool name, though. <laughs> it is a very cool name. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about your deck. Um, I want to talk about two warbands and your plans for them before we jump into kind of how you played your event. First one is um, Warband, which I personally think is still number one, Soul Raid. What's your game plan against them? Yeah, I agree. Soul Raid's definitely still number one in my list as well. Uh, they are, I'd say, one of the harder matchups. I mentioned Dakun and Crew and Reapers earlier are probably the hardest, just because they counterpunch you so hard, they're so accurate. Uh, usually what I'll do versus Soul Raid is try to get to Elethane early, obviously, because, it's, one, it's the leader, uh, and two, it's the most important fighter, generally. A lot of people have been teching in more stuff like Brigade Strength and things like that to make Furan very dangerous as well. Uh, but I've just found like Elethane coming out with three hammers uh, and then adding Ensnare on top of that, which is obviously relevant for rats. Uh, in the second round, Cleave, not so much. Uh, but the Ensnare in the second round, like you want to get Elethane dead early, and he's nice and squishy. He's four wounds, one shield. That's two attacks, essentially, in the first round. You hit him with sl Snip, you stagger him, come in with Slink, finish the job. Uh, so I found that smart Soul Raid players will set him up at the back of their board and do a double move with him early uh, so that he can stay out of your threat range. Or I shouldn't say early. Do a double move with him on like, their third and fourth activations. Um, that way they can keep him safe in the back, kind of offer you Tamale as bait, uh, and then come in with Elethane later. Um, so that's kind of the general way to play around the claw pack aspect of it. Uh, but when you're using the claw pack, I think you've got to sort him out wherever he is. So you might want to fish for misplaced optimism in your first hand, pull him out into the open as early as possible. Because if you can put him down, then you put down Tamael and you don't have to worry about him coming back later, as opposed to the reverse, which often like a good soul raid player will be trying to set up. Uh, and then otherwise, you're just trying to deny them those two feature tokens in your territory. So Fearless Seekers, Sudden Revelation, Horrors in the Dark, uh, I guess even kind of like Speed of the Flood Tide in that respect as well. All that stuff, you want to try and caddy those tokens as easily as possible. So they'll usually put two just over into your territory. You want to make sure you have threats set up there at the beginning of the game. So even though they might be able to charge there, you've got another fighter waiting there to punch them and then use your disruption tools to keep them off those tokens long-term, uh, especially like Spine Fin. You can use Center of Attention, Confusion, things like that uh, to kind of get him off the token, uh, which is important long-term as well. 
Okay, that makes sense. 10-4. And then another warband that I really want to talk about, which I think has always kind of been at the top of the meta, maybe not as discussed anymore, but Ripa Snarlfangs. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I've unfortunately not had the opportunity to play against uh, Ripa's players. Uh, my general game plan versus them is to spread out. Uh, because I don't want them getting multiple kills with wolf bites. Uh, so like charge kill, wolf bite kill. Uh, so spread out over the board, get some people in their territory, some people in your own, uh, to at least make them have to commit one way or the other. Uh, and then also, like, screw the Inspire, just kill Ripa. Like, don't don't care if the other two are going to Inspire, just kill Ripa. You still get more out of it than they do. Uh, and again, he's not so hard to kill uh, early in the game, so... Uh, I would say that's the general strategy versus them is don't let them get the scythings and the wolf bites going uh, and then kill Ripa because you'll still you'll still benefit the most. You inspire, they inspire. That's kind of a wash. And then you get collateral damage, which is guaranteed a win for you because there's no way they're going to get three glory for having Ripa dead. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's probably one of the only warbands where you'll want to just immediately YOLO yep. Ripa. So. It's, a, it's kind of a weird love that weird counter advice to what you would normally do against them. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Well, that, that's what makes the game fun, and, and especially the variants and the strategies that each warband uh, kind of taps into. So, cool. Two more questions, just because I keep thinking of stuff sure. to ask you. We talk about Stagger a lot, Zach and I, during this Gittershanks Clawback episode. I, and you, you mentioned that you're a listener of the show. Um, I think it has like it's just not good enough with its current iteration. Zach was a bit more optimistic. Mark, where do you stand with this? Uh, I also think it's not very good. Um, I'd rather be killing people or knocking them off tokens or whatever uh, than just like staggering them and leaving them alive. Uh, especially like the leader. Let's say the leader staggered and you've got one of those, oh, you need more enemy fighters staggered than not staggered. But if you kill the leader now, you don't meet the condition for that objective. Like, I want to kill the leader, man. Let me kill the leader. Uh, so that's one aspect of it that I don't like. And the other aspect is like, what if my opponent realizes, hey, he scored like six glory because he had a bunch of my guys staggered. Maybe if I just go on guard with this one fighter who's staggered and now I have like less fighters staggered than he needs to score his stuff, maybe he just won't score anything. Uh, and that has happened a few times when I've tried playing stagger build. I think it's more viable in Rivals Plus just because you can't build like a fully championship optimal deck anyway in Rivals Plus. And at least there's like a coherent strategy you can put together around it. Uh, but I don't think it's it's going to be the optimal thing to take into like a, a massive tournament like Nova, for example. Right, that makes sense. And why no commanding stride, Mark? Um, Slink might die, mostly. Uh, I feel like I've got plenty of other good pushes in there anyway that I don't really know which one I would take out for it. And then I'm not playing anything like Way of the, uh, Way of the Hidden Paw, which is kill when you have Slink supporting. That's the greedy two-glory surge. Uh, on a deck that I was running that, I had Commanding Stride built in. Uh, but I pulled that out pretty early on, I think, because while the repositioning is nice, it doesn't let me reposition onto a feature token, and it's one fighter limited, whereas I might need to save a different fighter at the given time that I have that in my hand. I've also got some pretty boomer bust ploys already, like Mighty Swing is very boomer bust because if it comes out late, it might not do anything. Same with Misplaced Optimism. If it comes out late, the leader might be dead or they might be in my territory. I can't really afford to be packing in a ton of very boomer bust type of uh, type of cards. So if, like Slink's dead, it's another bust, and I might just be sitting in an end phase hand or a third a third round hand that's just got a bunch of useless cards. 
Fair enough. Okay. Well, I'll spare the interrogation now <laughs> and we'll move on to the event here. So um, we talk about the Vassal Brawl, right? So it's a series of qualifying events that lead up to, I suppose, a tournament, mm-hmm. right? Where all the people who've qualified go there. And I think there's four or five events where you can qualify. And then the winner, you know, gets accolades, etc. And then you mentioned earlier, I believe Alessor yes. painted them. It's a unit of sepulchral guard so they look great i really like them um and so you wanted to qualify this was kind of your last shot how many games did you play what's the format of this particular event that you played in and then let's talk about those games yeah so uh i think both of the first ones were only three rounds single day events best of three championship format um so this one only actually ended up with six players i believe there were eight signed up originally but a couple dropped uh leading into the event Uh, so there were only six of us which i guess does make it a little bit easier on me to qualify but you still basically got to go in with the plan that you need to win three games to qualify uh, regardless of who you're right and and things aren't easy i mean you know skitter shanks claw pack you know they're good but they're not like a meta-defining warband, right? So well, yeah. even even if it's a smaller event, I would still say that you've stacked the odds against you. Fair enough. Uh, I don't necessarily think so, but yeah, fair enough. I wouldn't say they're top tier or anything, but I do think they're among the championship kind of competitive warbands that you can expect to win a or expect to be able to win an event with. Um, but kind of to add on to that, when you play in the Vassal League, like, whether it's the league itself or any of their events, like there's good players there. There's very good players. Always. There. Uh, so Always you're, you're never going to be able to go into yeah. these events being like, ah, I'll have a free win twice and then I'll just make it to top no. table. Like no, it, there's no easy wins. Uh, and, and then especially with the kind of deck that I'm playing, there's definitely no easy wins. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. I was just trying to, you know, <laughs> make it sound like, you know, you clawed your way to the top. No pun intended here. Oh, very nice. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so game one. Yeah, so what are you playing against? What are that you know best two out of three? Yeah, so round like? one I'm playing against Binoslav and uh Far Striders actually, which is something I hadn't Oof. really expected to run into uh, at all. And then we started playing and I'm like, I don't really have good tech for this matchup because I'm so heavily focused on playing beatdown and pulling people off tokens and they just don't care about any of that like they're just gonna go out there they're gonna do damage throw off multiple attacks and try and kill my guys uh which was surprisingly effective against me so the first game uh i think i had won the boards and i just set up straight on uh so something we haven't talked about i guess is board setup i every time i have the opportunity i set up straight on in as aggro of a position as possible to make their leader as accessible as possible right right Um, so I set up the boards just straight on. Uh, I managed to get the kill on Far Strider early, so that locks up collateral damage, which is nice. Uh, and then I basically just ended up... The deck sequencing wasn't great in that one, but I ended up like having enough of a cushion at the front end, we'll call it, from killing the leader that I managed to coast out on the objective tiebreaker. So we actually tied in the first game. Uh, oh, wow. The second game... What kind of deck was Benislav playing? Uh, it was very much just kind aggro of like aggro, or? like straight aggro, doesn't need to be on feature tokens, just wants to come in, demolish the opposition, like all that stuff. I think he also had Chum the Waters and stuff as well, because like they have plenty of, like, they have an infaction ping card, plus Suffocating Mist, Lethal yeah. Ward, he had all that stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, and they have the Attack right. Again one, something something Volley. I'm not as familiar with the particular Warband, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, it's essentially, if you, you miss your first shot, you can take yep. a second yeah, shot. Yeah, 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 that one. Uh, so yeah, he, 
but it counts. It doesn't count as the same attack action. It technically counts as a second attack yes. action. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no. It was a very good deck that he had put together, uh, and something I definitely wasn't prepared for. I think he probably also went in expecting a lot of people to play very hold objective So we kind of ran into each other and, like, didn't necessarily know what to do against each other because our game plan was more or less to play beat down and his in this case was just to kill me which is pretty effective actually so he scored demolish in the first game i think i had like one fighter left uh, we just both happened to be holding an objective so uh or i happened to be holding an objective and he wasn't excuse me so i won that tiebreaker uh the game two the dice started to come into play a little bit like i missed some pretty easy opportunities to kill like eagle eye for example i had him like trapped in the first round staggered and i just couldn't hit him uh so he ended up like pushing out to a pretty significant lead in the first round i think he had two of my fighters down pretty quickly uh i pulled out mighty swing in the second round and managed to kill both eagle eye and far strider so it was like oh the comeback's starting now uh but it like just nice. got to the very end where it was like, is he going to kill Creep and score Demolish the Opposition, or is he not? And he got the kill off uh, and managed to score it. So I, he actually won the second game pretty close. I think we were within oh, wow. like five glory or so. Uh, so cool. first two games, like, very close. Uh, and the third game was really no exception. Like, we got into game three. I think he won the roll-off and just... He actually set up more aggro than I would have liked for the matchup because he can get into my territory really easy, inspire, kill all my fighters... Uh, so I actually wanted it a little bit more passive in this particular instance because I knew he was coming to me anyway. Uh, but yeah, he sets up the boards pretty aggressively, charges in, starts killing guys, same deal. Uh, but it came like t- down to the end of the game, and it was like whether I was going to kill Swiftblade or he was going to kill Snip. Uh, but I had the first opportunity to make that charge, and Snip managed to come through, kill him. Uh, he did score demolish the op- opposition in that game as well, I think. So I'm pretty sure he scored it in all three games against me. Like he was very effective at killing my fighters, uh, especially because I wanted to be on the tokens. So he kept like dumping suffocating mists and lethal ward on me. Um, but no, like really good games to him, and I was really impressed with his deck. I wasn't expecting, like I said, to see them at all. Uh, but I did manage to pull out that third game uh, again, pretty close. I think I had negative differential actually, despite winning the uh, the best of three. There, I was like minus one differential, despite winning the best of three. Um, so yeah, really good games to him. Yeah, that's awesome. So you wake up three a.m. <laughs> you have this game plan. You're ready to go. First match, as per usual, throws you completely off the yep. rails, and you try to figure your way through the game, and you do, which is awesome. Um, shout out to Benislav. Uh, I love Forest Riders. They're like my OG Warband, and um, love to hear that they, you know, are able to still compete to a relative degree. Let's talk about game two. What's going on there? Yeah, so game two, I'm playing against RG, uh, and he was using Wraith Creepers, uh, who are very good right now. I think a lot of people have kind of been underestimating them since some of the nerfs, but, like, they're in a really yeah. good spot, I think, and his deck was they're fantastic great. as well. Uh, so the first game was really close. I don't have like a ton of details on that one in particular. Just for spoilers, I am looking at some of my notes that I had taken because I am going to write this up later. Uh, but I do have some notes on that game uh, where basically like it was very beatdown-esque, very low scoring. I don't think either of us had reached 10 glory going into the third round. Uh, so it was very wow. much like I'm pulling him off of token so he can't score his stuff. But like he's playing kind of coy with Drepper, so I haven't quite killed him yet. And like he's been kind of chopping down my fighters or knocking them off tokens, so I'm not scoring sudden revelation ever downwards as quickly as I normally would. So it was like very much we're both disrupting each other very heavily. Uh, and then it just ended up being like my deck sequencing wasn't great. Like all my surges, or not all, but like three of my surges were bottom decked, so I wasn't able to get those out when I needed them. Uh, and then. Uh, 
I think it was just overall, I could have played a little bit better in that one. I was a little too risky early on, let him get some early inspirations with some of my charges that I think I recalibrated for in the next couple of games. Because uh, I hadn't clocked like, oh, well, if I just charge in and like drive him back, he's still within two hexes, he's going to inspire. Uh, and then Grodrig in particular, who inspires to ensnare, uh, was a huge problem. So he won that first game uh, pretty close. I think it was like a three-glory win for him. Uh, somewhere in the teens mm-hmm. uh, on the total score. Sure. Uh, game two, it, like started out looking really bad for me. He was rolling crits on like defense attacks, whatever, and I was like, I don't yeah. know what's happening this time either. Uh, but I yeah, it's hard to get over that mental. Yeah, too, so I was right? like starting to tilt a little bit at that point, just because like I woke up at three a.m. for this. Like I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get my yeah. shot right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so he starts out really hot with the crits, uh, and I was like, mm, I don't know how this is gonna go. Uh, but like I mentioned, I have been playing it a little bit more coy than previously. So instead of charging in with like Crouched, for example, I was charging with Skulk to like three hexes away, driving away from me, uh, slowing down his inspiration a little bit to mitigate his accuracy. Uh, and then I managed to like get to Drepper uh, early on in that game. I think it was round two, early round two, I was able to kill Drepper. Uh, so Grodrig still is kind of marching through my warband with his ensnare, right? Like crit hit, crit hit, crit hit. Uh, but I managed to get to Drepper. And then that game I also won on tiebreak. Uh, so holding more objectives. Uh, but a tie at 16-16 is what I have down for that game. Uh, so I managed wow. to claw my way back into that one, which was like yeah. a huge breath of fresh air and gave me a lot of confidence going into the third game. Uh, so the third game was kind of a similar start to the second. like The crits were flying again, and I was like, we're not doing this today. Uh, so there is one particular <laughs> play I'd like to talk about, and it's like the main specific thing that I have in my notes here. Is I had put two damage on Drepper early in the game, uh, and it was I think the beginning of the second round. He charges Drepper, or he puts Dark Fortitude onto Drepper, so he can heal him. For those who aren't familiar, at the end of your activation, you get to react mm-hmm. and heal Drepper uh, for two, at least in a cover hex. Uh, so I'm like, eh, I don't think I can let him get this heal. Uh, but I don't know what I'm going to do about it, because he just drops it and he charges, uh, but I have mirror move in my hand. So he charges, drives back my fighter, and I mirror move him off the cover token before he can use his reaction, because it's in the drive back step that I get to mirror move, and then it's after activation. Very clever. So I mirror move him off adjacent to Slink, and then Slink just stabs him and kills him the next activation. So that, like, was a huge swing in the game, uh, which, like, you can say, like, yeah, that's kind of pure coincidence that it happened, but, like, there's a reason these cards are in the deck, right? Uh, not just for this particular instance, because who could have predicted that anything like that would show up, uh, but just to set up situations where I can kind of take advantage of where my opponent thinks they're in sort of an opportunistic situation. Uh, so with the kill on on Drepper, like you're coasting, you're get, you've got collateral damage in the back. If it comes out the same round as Great Gains, you're getting both probably. Uh, and I was able to just kind of deny the rest of his end phase stuff. I think he only scored like. 10 or 11 glory uh, in the game, despite Grodrig still kind of clamping down on guys. Uh, and then the dice started to turn in my favor in the third round. I think Grodrig had like three or four opportunities to kill Slink. Granted, he was like supernatural agility, or no, he silent helmed into a cover hex. So like, it's not guaranteed, uh, but like he had three or four opportunities and Slink just kept critting out of him uh, to deny him. I think he was also playing Demolish the Opposition, actually. Uh, so he wasn't able quite to hit that threshold, and I won by four or five uh, for that game. So six games in, nice. it's 
7 a.m. or so at this point, and I'm sweating bullets because I've played yeah. six really close games, and my differentials like yeah. I mean, it's 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 not easy. <laughs> You're literally grinding through all of these games, in yep. like playing against warbands that. I mean, obviously, you know those tech cards worked out in the second match, but you know, Drepper's is still like a can very easily kill yeah, you. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. So, it's one of those kind of high accuracy um, war bands that you have to be super cautious yeah. about where you're making your charges and when you're making them. Uh, because especially giving them the inspire early, like Drepper the inspire early, Grodrick the inspire early, very problematic for this war band. Yeah. Well, cool. Very nice. So six games, two matches. I guess this is the one, right? Where you play in and you know if you win, you win, right? So how's that work? Yeah. So we get to top table and Shuby's there and he's got Frothgorn. Um, and I'm like, I can do this. Because the only time I'd played Hrothgorn previously uh, with this uh, warband was I was playing against Gerard in the Vassal League. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Gerard's very much involved in like the Discord side of things, but he's also in my local scene. Uh, actually, we just happen to both live in, in the same state. So we see each other a lot, uh, and we're like, oh, let's, you know, we got it. We had a tournament coming up actually that weekend, so we're like, let's not play the stuff that we're going to bring to the tournament. I was bringing Reapers. I think he brought Mad Mob uh, for that one. So like, let's not play the stuff we'll play in the tournament. I want to try out my Claw Pack deck because this was relatively early on. So I played Hrothgorn and I just absolutely brutalized him. Like the dice were very bad for him, but I brutalized him. I was like, the dice are always bad. With yeah, Gerard. it's just every time I play Gerard, he like just rolls and he's like, see, I always yeah. roll like shit, and then. <laughs> I feel like he speaks it into existence and his rolls are just terrible. Uh, So I was like, you know what? I think I can do this even with average dice. So we come in, Shuby's got Hrothgorn, and I don't think the big boy warbands really have like a good countermeasure to claw pack because like they want to put the big boy up front. They want to be activating him as much as possible. They're not going to hide him from you usually. Uh, But I think they often underestimate the accuracy that I have targeting leaders. Like I charge in snip, he gets three swords with a reroll. That's like 60%-ish, right, on one die defense, maybe a little bit higher. Um, maybe he hits, maybe he doesn't. He drops his dagger token on you. So now Slink comes in. He's rolling three swords, two rerolls with Grievous. If he gets that crit, which is, again, like maybe even more than a 50-50 at this point, you're in a really bad spot, especially if they both hit. Like You've already taken four or five damage on your leader, uh, and Frothgorn in particular is very susceptible to this now that Tough and Hide is is gone essentially for him. They've restricted the healing cards. Like they don't have a lot of way to get out of that situation. Uh, and even if they try to run away, like oh no, I've made a mistake setting up at the front of the board. They try to move away. You can still misplace optimism and pull them back. Um, so both games, unfortunately for Shuby, went very well for me. Like my dice were like not to sugarcoat this at all. My dice were insane. Like they were. <laughs> I was rolling crit, like, <laughs> crouched, ran up, and just, like, stabbed Hrothgorn in the face. First activation, two damage. Boom. Like, I'm already at a huge nice. huge advantage, because Crouched has stabbed Hrothgorn in the face. I push Crouched away yeah. from Hrothgorn so he can't kill him. Uh, and then I just come in with Snip, Slink. Uh, I think Hrothgorn was dead in the beginning of the second round, both games. And again, some more dice luck there. Nice. I wanted to roll off in the second round both games and was able to just put yeah. him down. And like the game's over when you kill Hrothgorn for multiple reasons. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so those yeah. games were unfortunately big blowouts. Hopefully Shuby and I get some closer games in the future. But it was at least a nice relief on me after having kind of feel like I grinded through two rounds to get yeah. there. Uh, just happening to have God smile at me for waking up at 3.30 in the morning and, <laughs> and give me that, that qualifier. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations on that win. That's so cool. Um, I think it's really funny. I mean, I suppose for Othgorn, maybe not, but you you like played and tacked for this specific style of play, and then you didn't play yep. against it. <laughs> yeah, the closest was the Drepper <laughs> matchup. He had like a little bit of HO in there, uh, which yeah. I did deny pretty reliably. But like, <laughs> yeah, I was I was ready for a lot of stuff that I didn't end up seeing. I do think Diablerus was at that uh, qualifier, uh, but I didn't happen to run into him on this one. Um, so yeah. that that gets matchup. We didn't get the get the do over on, but. Yeah, it often happens like that. Like, I, I played Adepticon 2019, and I specifically teched for Malog. Didn't play Malog all four games. Ended up playing a final against Thorns of the Briar Queen. And I'm like, shit, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't think they were going to be this good. And then it was back in the day where you could reuse the same board. So it was like Amber board, three dodge, three lethals oh at the front. God. All three games, you know. So. <laughs> Not fun back in the day, but uh, well, cool, man. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. I feel like, in general, the community hasn't been very high on Skittershanks Claw Pack. I certainly haven't. I think they were a warband that I was very excited for early on, and then I quickly moved on from them, given the fact that I didn't, I guess, have the patience to play them in such a nuanced manner. And I also tend to prefer like tougher fighters like you know two three wound fighters i get very annoyed that they can just be one shotted randomly you know um so i can i i just didn't think they were for me you're making me want to play them though you really are um because you've talking about this and i'm like all of this makes total sense it's logical why not but it's the same thing with gits right like i really Gits are really good. I really tried to make them work in Vassal League. I got my butt kicked all <laughs> league because, like, dude, sometimes your Gits just die and there's nothing you can do about it and it's so frustrating. Or, like, sometimes you'll, like, try to roll with uh, Snurk and he just goes the complete opposite way. <laughs> and you're just like, you know, it's just, it's, it's so, I want to try it. I'm going to try it. Am I going to be successful? I hope so. But, I mean, I think you've inspired me at least to give them a go, which, you know, I think is, is a second congratulations to you because I had given up on the war, man. Oh, so. glad to hear it. Yeah. I, I can't misrepresent them. Like sometimes if your dice are bad, you will just lose. Like that's aggro, right? And yeah. especially frail aggro like this. Um, like I've had games where I've hit two attacks, three attacks or whatever. And like, you're not going to win those games just frankly. Yeah. Um, it happens. Otherwise, like I think it's adds a nice mini game that a lot of people haven't, really started playing it like you have the advantage being that you're the claw pack player you know that mini game is taking place but your opponent might not or they might not understand the extent to which it's taking place of like you're going to chase the leader wherever they are and you're going to kill them uh, and they need to be prepared for that like even a lot of people i found haven't quite gotten out of the habit of setting their leader up within two hexes of a lethal like stop doing that when you play claw pack just they got to be away from the lethal because they're just going to get misplaced optimism dunked in. Um, so like there's definitely aspects of, I think people haven't played against them much uh, that I probably am taking advantage of to some extent. Uh, but it's also like they have a niche uh, that I've really enjoyed so far and like a reason to play them besides like, well, you mm -hmm. can just play invading aggro with anybody. Uh, like this is yeah. for what I've been doing with them. I feel like is different. It's more of just fight on my terms where I want to fight. Uh, and if I have to come get you, I will, and I can. Uh, but I can fight on either board. I don't have to be on the tokens necessarily. It would be nice for some of my scoring, but I don't have to be. Uh, and I'm just going to kill your leader. 
and I'm going to take them out of the game. And that's a really big deal for a lot of the current war bands at the top right now. Like if you say Shadeborn is up there, although I think they're sliding down a little bit as people are figuring them out. Like they're very leader dependent, Exile dead. Again, play rates down, but very leader dependent. All the big boys, like excellent matchups against the big boys, I would say. Yeah, even Soul Raid and Ripa is leader yep. dependent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think people have underestimated the extent to which taking the leader out of the game is valuable um, until like, oh, my leader's dead in the fourth activation of round one. I have all these cards in my deck for them that I can't use now. <laughs> uh, or if, again, you're a big boy, you just lose the game at that point. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, I really appreciate you breaking down your deck and your, your tournament experience here. Um, it's been, it's been super insightful for me. And so I can only hope that it's been insightful to our listeners as well. Um, what I want to do now is I want to transition to the last segment of the episode where we're going to do some rapid fire questions. So what I really want is to just fire off like fun questions to you, um, so people can learn more about you, maybe see your personality a little bit, but also just see what you're into, right? And so these are all going to be Underworlds related for the most part. Um, I might throw some random ones in there if I can, but um, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, and this segment is called Rapid Fire, A, because it's a lot of questions coming at you, and B, I love Profiteers and Iron Hail. Iron Hail. <laughs> uh, shout out Iron Hail, Rapid Reload, baby. Okay, here we go. Favorite season. Uh, I'm going to have to say Direchasm. Okay. Who is your favorite fighter in the game? Uh, ooh. I think it's Kenta. Kenta. Okay. Favorite warband to play? Kanan. <laughs> Reapers. Okay. What does that say about you as a person? Um, I just like killing things, man. <laughs> no, uh... There you go. <laughs> you get along with uh, Captain Murder. Um, well, the good thing, new corn war bands around the yes, corner, right? Yeah. And give you some more stuff to kill. Um, if you could bring any card back from a previous season that's no longer eligible in standard play. I know you came in Darkasm, so, but I'm sure you know about the Beast Grave and the Night Vault and stuff. What card would you bring back? I'm still going to go to Beast Grave for this one. Uh, d- distraction. Distraction. I need to be able to disrupt yeah. better. <laughs> Fair enough. You could also just play Spike Claws. That's true. People have made the comment to me, like, you could just do what you're doing with Spike Claws, but I think the leader niche is is the difference. Yeah, agreed. Spike Claws or Clawpack? Oh. Clawpack. I like the models better. There you go. Are you a big hobbyist? No, actually. Most of my models are unpainted, unfortunately. Uh, I've been trying to get better about that, but no, uh, not particularly. I'm here for the game. <laughs> Is, is there a model that you've, or a miniature rather, that you've been proud that you painted? The up? only one I have finished is Kanan himself. Uh, he looks there you go. not great, but he's he's pretty good for like the first model I've ever painted. <laughs> Dude, awesome. I, I Send me a picture of that later when you have time. I'd <laughs> love do. to see it. I love, I love the hobby aspect. Who is your least favorite fighter in the game? Cannot be from Kanan's. Uh, Spinefin. <laughs> Sp- <laughs> I think it's just a, a function that- of like he always gets me with the spinefin toxin at the worst time, or like yeah, I, yeah. I don't even think about like yeah I can't hold objectives and then I make a charge. It's like you can't use your range three attack action either. I'm just like <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, a, a, a spinefin can do that to you. Plus, you know, a good spinefin can really ruin your day. <laughs> so, um, what's your favorite least favorite warband? Uh. Can be for whatever reason. Right now, it's got to be Exile Dead. They're just not fun to play against. Uh, 
free the reactions. Fair enough. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, is there a warband? What kind of warband would you like to see in the future? This can be mechanic, faction, miniature count, play style, etc. Anything. Um, that makes sense. Question. I think I would like to see just because I'm kind of a Skaven slave. I want to see uh, some Skyre. Uh, so I want to see some some really whack stuff. Like I want to see very boom or bust. Like you can roll this attack and it'll do two da- plus two damage if it hits, but if it misses, like it blows up and does two damage to your guy instead. Like that kind of like I don't think competitively that would be particularly viable, but flavor wise, I think yeah. that would be really fun. Yeah, is there since you love Skaven so much? Like, is there a specific type of Skaven warband? Like the Warp Fiends, or like the? Are you saying like? The, 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 te- the, technological yeah, the technological aspect of the game. That's Skyrim, right? right I think, gotcha. I hope. <laughs> I don't remember the clan names. I just all all I know is the there's assassins, which are clan Eshin, and then there's like a plague faction clan. Yeah, I'm unfortunately not the best person know. to talk to about lore. I don't know it too much, but I think Skyrim are the technologically. Uh, I won't say. Yeah, savvy, I will. I will resort to you. Ones. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Okay, if you could change one thing about a current warband or card, what would it be and why? Uh, I guess I've already hinted at this, but yeah, get rid of the no reactions text on the exiled dead. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. All right. Who do you dislike more, Spinefin or Exiled Dead? Exiled Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Fair specifically okay, okay. dislike Spinefin or Soul Raid as such. It's just he's just yeah. annoying. <laughs> okay. If you could live in the mortal realms, would you be a human, an elf? Or a dwarf, and why? Ooh. Or elf with an a and dwarden. Uh, I feel like elves and dwarves have too much on like the polar opposites that I don't want, so I'd have to go with human. Yeah. What would your profession be? Ooh. Maybe like a cobbler. <laughs> a cobbler? I thought you were gonna say witch hunter. I was like, yeah, it makes sense. No, nah, I'm far too frail to be a witch hunter in real life. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. And so last question to round it off is the capstone of the episode. Um, what are three things anyone who's aspiring to play Skittershanks Compact should um, should people keep in mind when playing the Warband? Uh, yeah. So the first one, like I hinted at previously a little bit, is that you want to be cautious about when and where you're making your charges save snip and slink for later in the first round. Uh, That's my first piece of advice. Uh, My second piece of advice is the killing the leader is not a trap. It might feel like a trap sometimes, but you get so much off of it, just do it. Like, just do it. (laughs) That's the second one. Uh, And the third one is find ways, whether it's like kind of how I built very beatdown-y or what have you, find ways to combat your fragility, whether that's paying off from dying Things like Omega's offering everything to prove underdog, uh, or whether you're going full on disruptive, or if you're just stacking in a ton of defensive tech, which I think is probably the least viable of the three. But find ways to combat your fragility. You either get them before they get you, or you find ways to make it beneficial to you for them getting you first. Right on. I love that. It's the Skittershank mantra <laughs> by Mark. Love it. Alrighty. So Mark, thank you so much again for joining the episode, dude. I really, really appreciate it. Um, it was a lot of fun talking about Skittershanks, um, your event, your deck. Looking forward to your written write-up as well. I want to give you the platform and talk. Uh, have you talk about anything you want to talk about, promote whatever you want to talk about um, as, as, you know, as, as you'd like. 
Yeah, so I guess I have to start with a shameless plug for myself. Please go ahead and check out the Determined Effort blog. I post semi-regularly, maybe some more coming down the, the timeline here when I've got some of these events wrapping up, Vassal League's wrapping up, the Brawl eventually will wrap up. Uh, so I'll have more articles out, as well as the Skittershank meta-analysis. Uh, but just go out and keep playing the game. Like I feel like the discords have been a little bit dead in terms of the deck building sections lately. Uh, so I've been mostly just kind of like chatting with friends offline about like, hey, I built this deck. Like, can you help me kind of refine it? Uh, but get in the deck building chats and use them. Like, there's a lot of really good resources out on the Discord that are happy to give their input to your deck. Uh, and whether you agree or disagree with what you're, they're telling you, at least you have a good sounding board there uh, to practice with and, and to get better at the deck building aspect of the game. But Overall, I'm just very excited for the Witch Hunters to come out. I'm definitely grabbing them uh, on release and starting out with them as well. Uh, so I'm very excited for the state of the game right now. I think the meta's about as good as it's been, uh, at least since I've started playing the game. Yeah, right on. I'll echo that as well. Um, first of all, again, if you want to check out Mark's content, check out Determined Effort blog. Um, there's a bunch of links in Discord. But you can also just Google Determined Effort on the World's blog. And I'm like 99% you'll get sure it'll pop up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it took a while, but you'll get to um, now. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes a while, but I think you've been doing it for like six months now, right? At least, if not yeah, longer. Yeah, I think we're actually so, getting up on like nine almost. Uh, oh, there we go. Congrats, man. That's awesome. So yeah, after a while, the Google search SEO will figure you out and put you up there. So it took us a while for Path of Glory. Um, and so also, if people want to reach out to you and ask you questions, Mark, like, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, so the best way to reach out to me is on Discord. I do have Discord on my phone, of course, uh, and I will get your notification if you send me a DM. So uh, I'm Baconborn, hashtag 1752, if you want to direct message me, or you can just at me in the Vassal Discord server. Uh, I'm also in the other Underworlds uh, Discord server that's fairly, fairly popular. It might just be called Warhammer Underworlds, I'm not sure. But you can feel free to ping me as well if you want to chat anytime. Uh, I'm very happy to talk about the game with pretty much anybody who will listen to me for an hour and a half. <laughs> Right on. I love that enthusiasm. Um, and I will agree. I mean, meta, I think, is in a really good place. Um, I think there's different, like, prevalent strategies in this meta compared to other metas. Like, I think Harrow Deep was a really balanced meta as well. Yeah. Um, I personally just liked it more because it favored more aggressive play. This one, I feel like you can do whatever you want, sure. But I feel like the hold objective goons are back. And so yes. it can be a little um, interesting in that regard. But hey. If you can play whatever you want to play in a meta and it do well, it's a sign of a good meta. So I'll completely agree with you there. May not be my favorite, but it's fair. And so I'll dig it. Yeah, well, cool, man. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. And um, I guess if you don't have any more uh, comments, we can close things out. Yeah, thank you very much again for having me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. If you are a Patreon supporter, thank you so much for supporting us. If you're not and you want to support us, help us keep the lights on, you can do so at patreon.com slash path to glory. You can also find all of our blog content at path to glory podcast.com. And if you have any feedback, questions, comments, or concerns, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or on Discord uh, in our path to glory podcast. Uh, discord <laughs> please rate and subscribe to the podcast on itunes spotify apple wherever you listen um, the more ratings we get the more people reach out and we can grow our community and as always thanks for listening and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory